going to pick up where we left off on our last uh, podcast talking about letting go and, and the importance of it. Well, yeah, we were talking about avoiding tyranny. Yeah. Which does take letting go. It does. Right, because there's, you are relinquishing power while you're watching somebody self-sabotage. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and to, to reiterate again, the reason why we're letting go and is that people have to learn from their experience. It's running into walls, it's having problems, and having consequences, natural consequences, that are the best teachers in life. For, yeah, absolutely. Right? I think... Right. And, and, and in having consequences, that's where, you know, we've talked about before that an addict to quit using has to reach a, port, a, a place where it is more painful and difficult to use than it is to quit. Well, to get there, as an addict, I have to run into the wall a few times. I have to have consequences that cause me to go, oh, crumb, I don't want to keep doing this. If I do this, this will happen, and I can't handle that. I can't go on. I think that's a really nice way of saying, of describing how to hit rock bottom. Yeah. If somebody hasn't hit rock bottom then they can't make the conscious decision right. to seek treatment and try and change their life. If, if And you can't find the right words. Yeah. yeah, so you, I don't know. I mean, talking about that, right? Like, it's not your job to create rock bottom. Right. And it's not your job to protect someone from rock bottom. rock bottom. Okay. Beautiful. Now let's let's kind of move on a different direction of the same thing a little bit, because this is you know, um, what do we do when you love an addict? There's a uh, there's a metaphor. It's, uh, the name of it is called the bridge. It's uh, by Edwin Friedman, and I'm going to read part of it and probably paraphrase part of it, but. Uh, this is about, as an individual, right? Because each of us, regardless of those people in our lives that may be addicts or, or however, um, what we do to preserve ourselves a little bit. Okay. So it starts off, it says, there was a man who'd given much thought to what he wanted from life. He'd experienced many moods and trials. He'd experimented with different ways of living and he'd had his share of both success and failure. At last, he began to see clearly where he wanted to go. Diligently, he searched for the right opportunity. Sometimes he came close, only to be pushed away. Often, he applied all his strength and imagination, only to find the path hopelessly blocked. And then at last it came, but the opportunity would not wait. It would be made available only for a short time. If it were seen that he was not committed, the opportunity would not come again. Well, eager to arrive, he started on his journey. With each step, he wanted to move faster. With each thought about his goal, his heart beat quicker. With each vision of what lay ahead, he found renewed vigor, strength that had left him since his early youth returned in desires, all kinds of desires reawakened from their long dormant position. Hurrying along the way, he came upon a bridge that crossed through the middle of a town. It had been built high above the river in order to protect it from the floods of spring. 
As he started across, he noticed someone coming the opposite direction. As they moved closer, it seemed the other was coming to greet him. He could see clearly, however, that he did not uh, that he did not know the other, who was dressed similarly except for something tied around his waist. Now that goes on, and I'm going to paraphrase a bunch of this, but as they get closer together, he notices it's a rope tied around the other guy's waist. And as they're getting closer and closer, the other guy starts to unwind the rope from around his own waist. Now, they meet in the middle of the bridge. Pardon me, would you be so kind as to hold the end of this rope for a moment? Surprised by his politely phrased but curious request, he agreed without a thought, reached out and took it. Well, thank you, said the other, who then added, now two hands, and remember, hold tight. Whereupon, he jumped off the bridge. Can you imagine? <laughs> anyway, he says, quickly, the free-falling body hurled the distance of rope, the rope's length. And from the bridge, the man abruptly felt the pull. Instinctively, he held tight and was almost dragged over the side. He managed to brace himself against the edge. However, after having caught his breath, looked down at the other dangling close to oblivion. And he says, what are you trying to do here? The guy yells out, don't worry, just hold on. <laughs> he says, I, telling him, I, I can't keep holding on. This is heavy. I'm, I what? Just hold on. If you let go, I'm going to die. This is ridiculous, the man thought. He began trying to haul in the other, but he couldn't get leverage. However, it was as, excuse me, it was as though the weight of the other person and the length of rope had been carefully calculated in advance so that together they created a counterweight just beyond his strength to bring the other back to safety. Why did you do this? The man called out. Remember, said, if you let go, I will be lost. But I can't pull you up, the man cried. Well, I'm your responsibility now, said the other. Well, I didn't ask for it. If you let go, I am lost, repeated the other man. Well, the man began to look around for help, but there was no one. How long would he have to wait? Why did this happen to befall him now, just as he was on the verge of true success? He examined the side, searching for a place to tie the rope, some protrusion perhaps, or maybe a hole in the boards, but the railing was unusually uniform in shape. There were no spaces between the boards. There was no way to get rid of this newfound burden, even temporarily. What do you want? He asked the fellow hanging below. Oh, just your help, the other answered. Well, how can I help? I can't pull you in and there's no place to tie the rope. There's no one coming to help me. I know that. Just hang on. That will be enough. Or tie the rope around your waist. It'll be easier. Well, fearing his arms would soon give out, he tied the rope around his waist. Why did you do this? He asked again. Don't you see what you've done? What, what possible purpose could you have had in mind? Well, just remember, the other replied. 
my life is in your hands, well, what should he do? If he let go all his life, he will know that he let another die. And if he stayed, he risked losing his momentum towards his own long sought after, sought after salvation. Either way, this would haunt him forever. With ironic humor, he thought to die himself instantly by jumping off the bridge while still holding on to the rope. Well, that would teach the fool. But he wanted to live and to live fully. What a choice to make. How shall I ever decide? As time went by, still no one came. The critical moment of decision was drawing near. To show his commitment to his own goals, he would have to continue on his journey now. It was already almost too late to arrive in time, but what a ter terrible choice to have to make. Then a new thought occurred to him. While he could not pull this other up solely by his own efforts, if the other would shorten the rope from his end by curling it around his waist again and again, together they could do it. Actually, the other could do it by himself so long as he was standing on the bridge and kept still and steady. So he yells, now listen, I think I know how to save you. And he explained his plan to the other, but he wasn't interested. You mean you won't help? But I told you I can't pull you up by myself and I don't think I can hang on much longer. Well, you must try, the other shouted back in tears. If you fail, I will die. The point of decision arrived. What should he do, my life or this other's? And then another idea, a revelation. So new, in fact, it seemed alien to his traditional way of thinking. He says, I want you to listen to me carefully because I mean what I'm about to say and I will not accept the position of choice for your life, only for my own. The position of choice for your own life, I hereby give back to you. What do you mean? The other asked. I mean simply, it's up to you. You decide how this ends. I'll become the counterweight. You do the pulling and bring yourself up. I'll even tug a little from here. Well, he began to unwind the rope from around his waist and brace himself anew against the side. You can't mean what you say, the other shrieked. You would not be so selfish. I'm your responsibility. What could be so important that you would let someone die? Do not do this to me. He waited a moment. There was no change in the tension of the rope. I accept your choice, he said at last, and freed his hands. Woo! Intense, huh? Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting, because of all the clients I've talked to, all the family members I've talked to that I've read this, or that we've read this, I can't describe the expression on their faces as we go through this, as they recognize that this is about them. And you can just, you can just see, and each one of these places that we hit on, things like 
you know, kindly holding on to the rope. Sure, I mean, I'm happy to help. We're all happy to help, right? Mm-hmm. And then somebody jumping off the, and that feeling of, what have you done to me? Mm-hmm. You're going, you're clicking along on your own journey. Because we all have our own journeys. Make progress, and then all of a sudden you're in that spot, holding somebody else's rope, and everything stops. You know, and, and it's and it's interesting because as as the question is asked, you know, what do you need? What are you, how can I help you? And and the response comes back from the guy dangling there, just a leg up. And it, it and it just sounds so selfish and so. Um, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Mean, cruel, uh, selfish. You know that that's it. That that I'm going to I'm going to make you be responsible for my life, and then when you start questioning, I'm going to guilt you and shame you and say, no, you have to continue to do this because if you don't, I'll die and it's your responsibility. You killed me. Well, what's what's interesting is the when you say oh, it sounds so selfish. I mean. In this story, the uh, the guy at the bottom of the rope, you almost don't you almost don't think about them. It's all it's all a decision from the person holding the rope, right? right. And are they going to be selfish or are they going to not be selfish? And the fact of the matter is, it's not up to them. Right. The, the selfishness was at the bottom of the rope. You know, I had a I had a, a lady come into my office uh, just not very long ago at all. And she was just distraught, beside herself. Um, her husband had passed away, um, I don't know, uh, 15, 20 years ago. And she, she had quite a few children, but, but her young, one of her youngest, her youngest, uh, she has a son that, um, that took the death incredibly hard. And, and I understand that, it's, it's painful, it's difficult. But as, as, the, uh, as her son grew, uh, you know, he became he began to drink in order to deal with things, and ultimately became a um, an alcoholic. And the this mother that I was talking to was just terrified for him to lose him. Didn't want to lose him, but at the same time, when he was living under a roof, um, his drinking was just out of control, and it was you know, costing her everything, her peace, uh, solace, you know, that her house was turned upside down. Uh, you have somebody there that is, that is loud, that is obnoxious, that is demanding, that is all kinds of different things that come along with uh, alcoholism. And, um, you know, she's spending a lot of money on food and she's paying all the bills. Well, after her husband passed, and she was paid some money out from, uh, she bought another property. She bought a home, and then she thought, here's what I'll do. I will move my son into this home that I have paid for so that he can be out from underneath my roof, and I can have some peace. So she paid the bills on the second house. The son moved in for a period of time. But he was spending all his money on alcohol, didn't spend a lot of money on groceries, 
didn't spend a lot of money on anything else. And during COVID, decided that he wanted to move back home with his mother. So he moves back in. Now at this point, turns out that he had a 16-year-old son also that began smoking pot that moved into the house with grandma also. Now the alcohol and the pot go against her moral fiber. She didn't like that behavior in her house, but now she has two people living there that are doing what they want, that are eating her food, that are living off of her money. And mind you, she's been a widow for a, for quite a while. She doesn't have a lot of money herself, but she doesn't know what to do. You know, I mean, for this particular woman, since she's already purchased the other home, it's like, have them move out today. You don't give them a notice and say be out in three weeks. They've got someplace to go, unlike so many other addict alcoholics that have moved back in home and have, and have set up shop to be there. And, you know, it's like move them out right this second to the other home. You know, she was so terrified of somebody dying that the idea of letting them go was just overwhelming to her. Mm hmm then when we read this poem together, or this, thing, this, this metaphor together, you should have seen her face as she finally realized that this is her home. She finally realized that nobody lives there unless I want him to live there. She finally realized she couldn't keep paying for somebody because she was contributing to their demise. You should have seen the resolve that washed over her as she came to the understanding that her son and her grandson, their life, their how they're living there is none of her business. It's up to them. But my grandson, you know, I don't know how to get him to school. It's not your job. It's none of your business. Well, but I don't know if my son can take that's none of your business. You have to let go of that rope. One, if you want them to grow up. Mm -hmm. but number two, if you want to survive. And if you want to continue your journey at all. And, right. it's, and it's, not, it's not selfish to do it. Nope, it's, it's not. It's not. I think, I mean, I'd love to keep on that story and that analogy. Yeah. I, I think uh, I think it's more selfish to stay in that place, that one for one place. Mm hmm Because the guy holding the rope on top of the bridge, after letting go, can keep moving. And there are going to be people on the journey that need help, but it's just a hand up, a quick hand up, and you keep walking. Right. Right. And and you can do a lot of good a lot of good with little with little here let me help with that or let me do, you know right. for lots of people in this world and that betters the world when you have a lot of people out trying to do little pieces of service for each other yeah it's a big deal but you cannot do that when you're holding that rope you can't live when you're holding the rope right you can't do anything you can't do anything for you you can't do anything for them and they're not doing anything for themselves and, and you know the idea of giving another person their choice back. You choose. 
Yeah, that's well said. Giving them a choice bag. You can do this. That's up to you. Otherwise, yeah, I here's mean, what's going to happen. And, it, and it's great in, the, in, the, in this analogy, right? To, to say to that person, look, here's the deal. I give you your choice, your responsibility again. And in this moment, because of this predicament, I'll hold on for a minute. That is genius. Yeah, that is so well said. But if you don't do anything, I accept your choice. Great analogy. Well, we all need to be liberated. We all need to be unburdened from the idea that our responsibility is to save another person at the cost of our own life, our own happiness, you know, our families, our homes, our financial well-being and security. That's not how life is. That's not how it's supposed to work. Yeah. You know, I uh, I know the things we talk about when you hear it the first time when a lot of people hear it and it sounds impossible or too hard. And, and sometimes we, I talk and you can almost see a yeah but written across somebody's forehead as they try to explain oh, yeah. why they're different and why, no, but I have to hold on to the rope. Yeah, but, but, but you don't understand. And, and the reality is is that there just really aren't any habits. Mm-hmm. Right? Love and compassion says, you know, I love you and you choose and I accept your choice. Yeah. Wow. This was got me thinking, but I'm kind of out of words on it. <laughs> just, it's, I, I mean, I think we've said enough on this like yeah this is a big eye opener yeah yeah in fact in fact probably a good idea to just leave it at this because this is a, this gives you a lot to think about I know that it does I know that as we talk about it you know everybody that's hurting and wondering is going to try to figure out how it fits in their life and let's we can leave you at that It's wonderful to talk again. Of course. Thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you on the next one.